the Jay Doherty Podcast, episode number 8, recorded Monday, January 22nd, 2018. The Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jay Doherty Podcast. My name is Jay Doherty. It is so good to be here with you back at the Jay Doherty Podcast. It has been quite a while since I've done one of these episodes, and it is really good to be back. Uh, I first, I guess, want to just kind of give everyone an update. It's been quite a while. Um, As you know, uh, if you have followed my channel, uh, which you can go to j-dorty.com slash YouTube to find out about that, uh, which I will get into in a second, you'll see that I have been putting out a lot of informational videos uh, very recently, which is something that I want to really continue doing. But I also want to step up what I'm doing with the podcast. Uh, The podcast is very important to me. Uh, I did take a a long break from it, really. I had a lot of stuff going on, especially in terms of school. So I had to get that. I got to prioritize, you know what I'm saying, and get that kind of out there first and do that, uh, you know, and prioritize accordingly. So I am back with the podcast. Hopefully uh, we can keep this weekly. That'll kind of be a challenge. Um, but I'm definitely going to try and keep it weekly. Maybe we can set a date in the future um, for the podcast. But before we get into the main topic of today, and the reason you probably clicked on this episode was the title, um, but just because I have been away for quite some time, I just want to update a few things about me and what I have been doing. Over the time that I have, uh, you know, uh, done videos and, you know, kind of take a break from the podcast, it's freed up a lot of my time, but not all of it. Not enough where I could consistently produce quality podcasts. Therefore, I dedicated that time that I would normally have to building a website. So I have a brand new, fresh website that came out just a couple months ago, and it has pretty much all the information about me. And the website is j-doherty.com, or j com. You can go there now. I have pretty much everything on there ever that, you know, has some relevance to what I'm doing here, but that is where you'll find everything I mention ever, including show notes, um, you know, blog posts, news posts, uh, you know, videos, special events. You can sign up for our newsletter, which I want to tell you about in a second. You can do so much stuff like that. So, that's just one and you know a couple of the things you can do there. I highly recommend you go to j-doherty.com to learn more. Uh, and then I'll talk about quickly the newsletter because I know you probably want to get into the main reason of the podcast today, which is the Ted Kennedy interview. But we will get to that in just a moment because I want to tell you about my newsletter. So my newsletter is pretty awesome. It comes out every month and you sign up uh, and you will get an automatic you know reply saying, hi, thank you for joining the newsletter. We appreciate your time and you know doing this. We really want to to inform you uh, with great content, and that is exactly what the purpose of the newsletter is. We want to provide high-quality content that's kind of an added bonus to what I already do on my channel and already do here on this podcast. So really the point of it is that each of the monthly newsletters um, you know, contain relevant and actionable, actionable information that can actually help you. Um, 
And just to give you some examples, you know, every month, I uh, obviously it's every month, I'll be updating you, the subscribers, hopefully to both my YouTube channel and the newsletter on a monthly basis on any significant events that, you know, I was lucky enough to attend, just like this Ted Kennedy one that I'm going to talk to. And also, I'm going to be updating you on news, so major changes in my content creation. And really, the whole purpose of this is to is to provide overall valuable content. So definitely, um, hopefully it'll serve you, but for some reason, if it no longer does, you have the option to at any time unsubscribe from the series of emails, uh, which is very, very easy to do. So once again, I highly encourage that you go ahead and check out j-doherty.com slash newsletter. Okay, now let's get into the reason you're probably here. The reason you clicked on this podcast was most likely because of the title. Just recently, I was given the incredible opportunity to sit down with Edward Moore Kennedy Jr., who is the son of the late Edward uh, M. T- or Ted Kennedy Jr., who was uh, a senator in Massachusetts. He was also known as the Lion of the Senate. Um, and if you want to if you've, you know, maybe subscribe to my newsletter, you'll see some more details about, um, you know, behind the scenes footage, for example, that's an added bonus of the newsletter, um, just, you know, throw that out there, I guess, um, but anyway, the point of this is that I, just to share that I was given the incredible opportunity to interview someone, and I filmed it and documented the whole entire process, so I could share it with you guys who are listening to the this podcast and also that are subscribed to my channel. Uh, this interview was amazing and it actually um, it's for it was for a kind of a promotional um, video and explanatory video for not only my channel but also for the Chris Kennedy campaign, which is uh, Kennedy for Illinois. Uh, campaign, which is Chris Kennedy running for governor of Illinois. So anyone who is not Illinois or not in Chicago that listens to this, this is for this is what this video was mainly for. Although it also really provides a lot of information about him and the Kennedy family overall. In fact, this story was actually pretty big. It was featured in a weekly newsletter in Politico, which, if you don't know what Politico is, it is basically kind of what I think of as the New York Times of politics. It really delivers a lot of information uh, about specifically political news and uh I subscribe to the Illinois version. They have different sections of the country that get certain emails, and I believe there's also a national one. But the one that I was featured in was in the Politico um, section of the uh, of, of the newsletter and of or the Illinois section of the newsletter, the Politico newsletter. And if you want to see the exact message that was um, you know sent in that email, you can either go to politico.com or go to j-doherty.com/politico, and you can find the exact post there on my website where I basically just copied and pasted and also shared with you the exact email. Um, and you know, they give some compliments, and they actually link the video to my website, which was very, very nice of them, and I really, really just appreciate them doing that, um, and, you know, it was a great opportunity, and a great amplified opportunity because of Politico, and the um, amazing, you know, team and support and staff they have over there for recommending the video to uh, a lot of people that may not be familiar with my content. Overall, I think this interview went very well. Uh, It is 
produced phenomenally. A big thanks to Video Parachute with T.W. Lee and Kenneth Reed, who helped me on the production in terms of that. Um, but I did, they did the multicam editing and things like that, and I was um, lucky enough and given the opportunity to do um, lower thirds graphics, put my own graphics in there, kind of do my whole style with the Avenir and this and that. So, you know, all the cosmetic stuff I was uh, fortunate enough to do, uh, although they did the hard work, which is the multicam editing, and I just want to give a huge thanks to them over at videoparachute.com. Um, and yeah, so this interview was really good, and I wanted to share it with with as many people as possible, because it was just, you know, a great interview, and I like to share big opportunities that I'm lucky enough to have like this. So, uh, I'm going to play you the interview with Ted Kennedy Jr. and myself on this episode, episode 8 of my podcast. I hope you enjoy this, and uh, stick around to the end, because I have some more information for you. Today I was lucky enough to interview Edward Moore Kennedy Jr. He is an American lawyer and politician, and he currently represents Connecticut's 12th Senate District in the Connecticut Senate. He's a son of late Senator Edward M. Ted Kennedy from Massachusetts, and a nephew of President John F. Kennedy and Senator Robert F. Kennedy. This means he is cousins with Chris Kennedy, who happens to be running for governor in Illinois. It was a great conversation. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, I really appreciate you taking the time today um, to sit down with me and so I can ask you a few questions. Um, I guess I'll first start out by saying that a cornerstone of your family's public service mission has um, had a big focus on people with disabilities. Um, could you share with our listeners just how the Kennedy family's focus on people with disabilities got started in the beginning? Well, first of all, Jay, thank you very much for having me on your program here, and um, I'm delighted to have an opportunity to speak to you, you. Um, while I'm here in Chicago. Um, you know, the mission of disability rights has been an important goal uh, in the Kennedy family, um, and it's been now passed on from my grandparents to my father's generation and now on to my generation. Um, we got involved in this issue much the same way as many families get involved. We had a family member who was born with an intellectual disability. And at the time, this was my aunt Rosemary, my father's sister's Rosemary, there were very few, if no, educational opportunities for Rosemary growing up. Um, and my grandparents searched and they spoke to other parents and they just couldn't find any resources, any people who were, had the expertise in educating uh, somebody with Rosemary's particular challenges. And they started getting involved in really trying to organize other families that had children like Rosemary. And then my uh, uncle, President John F. Kennedy, one of the first things he did when he was elected president of the United States is convene a national conference uh, on intellectual disability and bringing all the people from around the country to, uh, to come together to figure out how can we improve the lives of people with disabilities. And at the time, people were, um, were kind of surprised because here was the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, talking about his sister with an intellectual disability and really helping to, and the people thought, well, if the president has a sister uh, with an intellectual disability, then it's okay for me to talk about uh, these issues. And now I run 
an organization called the American Association of People with Disabilities. My cousin Tim Shriver uh, has uh, took the mantle from my Aunt Eunice, who was one of the creators of Special Olympics that uh, began right here in the city of Chicago, as you know. And uh, so now Timmy is uh, continuing the work of uh, the Shriver family in uh, running the worldwide effort for people with disabilities. And my brother Patrick has uh, been an outspoken advocate for people with uh, mental health conditions as well. So you are a senator, state senator in yeah. Connecticut, um, and you've served there for quite a while now. Um, are you enjoying it, would you say, right now? Um, yes, I am. I'm in my third year, mm -hmm. so I've been, uh, I was elected and then re-elected uh, uh, a year ago, mm -hmm. and now there's another election coming up in November. Mm -hmm. And so I'm enjoying my experience because it's an opportunity to really get involved and, uh, and really help people on a very intimate level. Um, I'm also finding that at the state level, you can really get a lot done. For example, I've, um, I've authored and passed over 60 pieces of legislation in just three years. So uh, I've been, I'm satisfied that I've, got, I've been a very productive member of the Connecticut State Senate. So um, it's a lot of fun. Um, do you enjoy politics yourself? Yeah, I think it's fun. I don't really probably think that I would want to be in politics, but I like being kind of an outsider and looking in at yeah. the news. Speaking of news, uh, we're living in a world of so-called fake news. Um, you know, there's tweets being sent out that are unfiltered, messages from the president, and even at a local and state level. Um, how do you think you can serve effectively and get your message out to the community that you serve, even with the chaos of modern day media? Well, that's an awesome question, and that's an interesting question. You know, a current president has called the media the enemy of the people. Did you hear him yeah, say I did, that? Yes. And so, look, coming from a political family and being in politics myself, um, Sometimes the press says things about me and says things about my family that I don't like or that I may disagree with um, and or I think is unfair the way that uh, they cover uh, certain events. Um, but still, I think that they play an important role in our democracy in keeping people honest, in keeping people fair, in uncovering wrongdoing and corruption in our government. If it weren't for the press, that wouldn't happen and politicians would have very little incentive to behave themselves and to follow the rules. So um, in today's world, the, the thing about the media and about the news is it's about controversy and criticism. So that's what the newspapers and um, the uh, television news and, uh, and media likes to focus on. Uh, we don't read a lot about good things that are happening or when people are collaborating, for example. In the Connecticut General Assembly, over 90% of all the bills we do in the Connecticut General Assembly happen with broad bipartisan support, right? But people think, for example, that, well, you guys are fighting all the time. On the, yes, it's true, on a few issues we do disagree and have a debate, but by and large, there's widespread agreement. So I think that the news, uh, sometimes um, they like and revel in controversy and criticism. 
um, and they don't focus enough on the good things that are happening. So I think that's one um, issue. But how you get your message out, I do. I'm on social media myself. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I'm trying to you know compete to get my messages out when I'm working on a bill, for example, for mental health parity in Connecticut, or I chair the Environment Committee, so I'm doing a lot to try to preserve and protect our rivers and streams, for example. I have to compete for a lot of that time mm -hmm. from a lot of the other controversy that's taking place. I want to quickly touch down on kind of your um, family history. Obviously, the Kennedy has a great legacy all throughout American politics. Your eulogy to your father was probably, from my point of view, your best and most difficult um, speech. Could you tell our listeners about the lessons that you learned from him, um, especially the story about you walking up the hill with your disability um, and how that was such an important time in your life? Having to eulogize my father was probably the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Because how do you summarize somebody's life in 10 minutes? Right. It's really hard to do. So um, I figured that people would spend time talking about my father's gigantic legislative record of hundreds and hundreds of bills across uh, 47 years in Congress. <clears throat> so I really wanted to talk about who he was as a man, who he was as a father, um, and the energy and inspiration and strength that he gave me at a difficult time in my life when I was diagnosed with cancer and lost my leg and really went through a dark period of having to go through chemotherapy. And it was a very demoralizing time in my life where I had very low self-esteem. Um, I didn't think anybody would want to be my friend because of my disability. I didn't think any girl would ever want to go out on a date with me. Um, and I thought, and my father really gave me uh, the strength and the fortitude and the self-confidence that I needed at a really difficult time in my life. Yeah, so your father also passed the um, Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, although it is a great piece of legislation, what do you think still needs to be done, especially now that now you're a senator? Okay, well, um, I think the Americans with Disabilities Act that was passed in 1990, so this is it's 27 years old, mm -hmm. and we've made great improvements mm -hmm. in trying to get rid of a lot of the architectural barriers. These are the curb cuts and elevators and, and, uh, and bathroom stalls that you see that can now accommodate people with mobility impairments. So in some ways, that has been a, a big success. However, in other areas, such as in the area of employment, two-thirds of people with disabilities who are able and willing to work can't get a job. And it's not because they can't do the job. It's because employers have a lot of fears and, and stereotypes about what people with disabilities can and can't do. When I first started practicing law in New Haven, Connecticut, there was a lawyer there who was the most brilliant patent lawyer in Connecticut who was completely blind, totally blind. And, uh, and he had a lot of clients, right, because he worked with them on the phone. And after many clients actually met him, they didn't know that he had a visual impairment. And the first reaction was, well, how could this guy be a, a patent lawyer that he can't even read, right? And, and 
But yes, he could with assistive technology and screen readers, and actually he has a very successful law practice. So I think a lot of the time people just feel like if they don't know somebody with a, a disability, they, they think that somebody will, of course they can't do that because of their disability. And so that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to raise awareness about um, what people can do. And at, at, at the American Association of People with Disabilities, uh, whose board I now chair, we're working with companies all across the country because there are a lot of companies, including many right here in the city of Chicago, that are in the vanguard that say, you know, yes, we want to hire people with disabilities, not just because it's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. but because they bring strength and enhance and make our company a better company because of it. So uh, earlier you were talking about how you have a family member with a disability. Um, I too have an 11-year-old uh, sister named Rosalie who happens to have been born with Down syndrome. Um, she's taught me and my family and just pretty much everyone um, about seeing you know, empathy and the unlimited potential of everyone regardless of their um, disability. What has your physical challenge personally taught you? Well, um, when I lost my leg to cancer when I was 12 years old, um, I thought it was the end of the world. I couldn't imagine living life with one leg. And I began to think of all the things that I wouldn't be able to do anymore, instead of thinking about all the things that I could continue to do. And I, so my initial reaction, it was, this is a, this is a terrible thing. Now, of course, I'm used to it, and I'm trying to help other people understand that um, there, this is an, a normal and expected part. Things happen in family. This is part of the human experience. This is who we are. And one of the things I'm trying to do today is address kind of the, the attitudinal barriers, the kind of the, the stereotypes, the fear that the people have when they never have met anyone with a disability, um, of course. So, that's one of the things that I'm really uh, trying to do is I, at that time, I remember thinking, I remember meeting um, a boy uh, who was also getting treatment for cancer. He lost his leg to cancer just like me. And um, I would see him periodically when I would get my cancer treatment. And I noticed that he wasn't wearing an artificial leg. And I asked him, is it because it's you know painful for you to wear? And he said, no, I would love an artificial leg. It's just that my parents can't afford one. Right. And I felt all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, how fortunate am I? I, you know, I don't have that problem. And I said to myself at, at that time, you know, when I grow up, I want to do something about that. I want to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen to anybody. So, um, so that's one of the things that, you know, um, that I learned. And, uh, and I also learned in college, uh, it took me a while to understand that it's not somebody's physical or mental condition that creates the handicap. A lot of the barriers that people face are the stereotypes and prejudices from other people. So what we're trying to do is really change society. Yeah. So... A big part of, obviously, education is school, yeah. um, and there's a lot of things about 
you know, seeing unlimited potential that's not maybe included in your average textbook or anything like that. And as a young person who's not even in high school yet, I just wanted to ask you, there's a quote about the United States schools system by a Spanish philosopher in the early 1900s, and he said, a child educated only in school is an uneducated child. Do you think that is relevant to today's society and it's still that same kind of principle implies? Well, our, the, the greatest teachers that we have are our parents. Yes, it's important to go to school and we learn, but how we learn to live our lives are, is really taught by the example of our parents and our friends and those around us, the decisions that we make every day, single day. So um, I think it's a good thing that now kids with disabilities, up until 1975, I realize you're a lot younger than, than I am, uh, but up until 1975, Children with disabilities in the United States were not uh, guaranteed uh, a public school education in the United States. That was not a goal. Uh, people just didn't believe that people with disabilities uh, deserve to be educated just like every other child in America. So um, once that happened, people with children with disabilities were able to assimilate and uh, and be mainstreamed and really become interactive with their able-bodied peers. And I think, you know, if you grow up never meeting other people who are different than you, whether different race, different religion, or, or different ability than you, you're, you're, you're not going to be exposed to all these different ideas and points of view. And I think that's part of the idea. Yeah, so um, now I just kind of want to transition over to your cousin, Chris, who is running for governor now. Um, in a letter that you sent out to his community uh, supporting him, you say, quote, he believes that people with disabilities deserve an equal chance at pursuing the American dream. Um, do you see individuals um, with disabilities today living out the American dream? And what progress do you think we need to make? And what can Chris do to kind of make that? Well, happen? I think for one thing, uh, People with disabilities do not want pity. They don't want a handout. They want an equal opportunity to participate. But in order to do that, we need an education and we need a, a job. And I think when I talk about that Chris wants to ensure that everybody has an equal opportunity to pursue the American dream, we know that in Illinois and in other states around the country, you know, the zip code you're born in, the family that you're born in, the type of you know uh, situation that you have, can predetermine the type of life that you're going to lead. Mm -hmm. And Chris is all about fairness. He's all about equality, and that's why he believes that regardless of where you're from, or your financial situation, or your family background, everyone, every child in this state deserves an equal opportunity uh, to pursue the American dream. So speaking of equal opportunities, uh, the Women's March is happening here in Chicago uh, this weekend and all throughout uh, other areas of the country. Um, are you a feminist and do you think feminism is important right now? Yes, I am a feminist. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people think that men can't be feminists, yeah. but that's not true. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, you know, I believe, and you know, I'm a, a parent of a, of a young woman, of a daughter who I have really tried my hardest to raise to believe that there's nothing that she can't do. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no challenge, there's no job 
that she can't do just as well as anybody else. Um, so I'm very lucky that I'm married to a very strong uh, woman who is a lot smarter than I am and who teaches me every day um, that, that, that we all have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. So um, I do plan, to, I'm looking forward to marching uh, tomorrow morning awesome. uh, in, in the Women's March because uh, I think that although it is a Women's March, I think it's important that uh, that you know feminism and equality is not just a woman's issue; it's also a man's issue too. Because we all benefit when people are treated uh, equally in our society. Right. Um, so, also speaking of Chris, uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, he and his wife Sheila run Top Box Foods, which is a nonprofit organization um, that helps areas that are in the poor areas of Chicago and a little bit outside of that um, have access to affordable, healthy food. From my observation um, about the campaign, he kind of distances that and keeps it a little bit more quiet. Um, that he's serving the community like this. Do you think this way of kind of doing it humbly is has lived on in the Kennedy's legacy all the way back from when John Kennedy was president? Well, uh, Chris and Sheila have done an amazing job right. at Top, top yes, Box I Foods agree. and ensuring that families in this region have access to low-cost quality food because we all know in many parts of this city, uh, it's their food deserts. The only food that people can access is fast food and is not good, nutritious, right. uh, affordable food. So, um, you know, Chris does not like to toot his own horn. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like to talk about all the successes that he's made in this area um, because he's, uh, he's got a lot of humility. Um, and humility is something that I pray for uh, all the time because I think we all need to uh, be humble, uh, and you know, and and work towards leading an honest, humble uh, life. Um, but now it's our job, as friends of Chris, to talk about that and to say, you know, this is one of the many examples of the way Chris and Sheila quietly, but in a very powerful way, are slowly changing the lives of people uh, in the greater Chicago region. To conclude talking about Chris, what do you think, um, if, what would you say to undecided voters right now who are still deciding between Chris and the candidates running against him? How could you convince them that Chris is the candidate who should be the future governor? Of well, this morning we uh, had a breakfast where we had many of community leaders and business leaders from across uh, the city of Chicago attend um, in the final eight weeks of the campaign. And I talked about three qualities that I thought were the essential qualities of any good political leader mm -hmm. that I think are Chris's strengths. Uh, one is that Chris is a good listener. Right. We need people who listen. We, too many times politicians, all they do is talk all day long. They don't take the time to listen to what people are really telling them. I've seen that. I know that that's one of Chris's strengths. Secondly, Chris is a fighter. People need to know that somebody is going to wake up and fight for them every single day. You know, Chris, um, he waited until he, his mid-50s 
to run for political office. If this were about him, if this were about his own political ambition, don't you think he would have run a lot earlier? He's, he's doing this for all the right reasons. He's entering public life. And the third is, is that Chris is a collaborator. Yeah. And we need people who are going to be able to work together as a team. Because the state of Illinois is not going to succeed unless everyone is working together. The business community, the, the, um, uh, the people in public life, public service, uh, the incredible academic institutions that are here in the state of Illinois. Everyone needs to work into, in concert with one another. Mm -hmm. And Chris has demonstrated that he has the ability to cross those uh, barriers, to cross the aisle, and put together a winning team for the success of this state. All right. Uh, just to conclude this interview, I just want to ask, outside of your family members, who are your heroes and why? Um, well, I meet people all the time. Mm -hmm. in my, you know, I serve in the Connecticut General Assembly, and I meet people every single day who are quietly, but in a very powerful way, advocating for the environment, for better schools, for people with disabilities. And I'm inspired by people who I meet, you know, every single day um, in the work that I do. They're not famous, they don't have a lot of notoriety, but those are the people who are my heroes. You know, obviously, I, I being a bone cancer survivor, um, you know, my heroes are nurses. I mean, yes, the doctors are the brilliant, you know, and the brilliant scientists who come up with the novel therapies, but the people who really deliver and 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 make sure that 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 people like me are uh, able to succeed and support are the people on the front lines. You know, so I do have a soft spot for the nurses who help take care of me. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Kenny. I appreciate your time. Thank you, thank Jay, you so for much. having me on your program. Yeah, thank you. So there you go, folks. That was the full interview with me and Senator Kennedy sitting down together, uh, and we had a great conversation indeed, as you just heard. If you want to see the whole entire thing, plus some bonus features, you can go to j-dorty.com slash ted to see the whole entire thing from start to beginning and a little bit of extra content. Also, be sure to check out everything that we do. One other thing that I started doing was a notification service. Um, a lot of things that I publish uh, are on YouTube, but most of the things actually are not on YouTube. A lot of them are on my website, and there's not really a great a great system for um, allowing your users or people that frequently go to your website that want to receive notifications to get them. Therefore, so with that in mind, I actually started a notification service where you get notifications for some anything that you really want. It's completely and totally customizable. You get to choose whatever you want to get uh, you know, to, to have notifications sent to you, um, and this is still, of course, in beta, it's a completely automated program that I wrote, um, in HTML code, but it is definitely working, I have, uh, about 20 people subscribed to the notifications, and around, uh, well, I don't want to share the newsletter stats, but it's, it's a little bit, it's actually much more than the notifications, uh, list, but I really would, I, I don't care about the stats, I really care that I'm delivering valuable content that could actually help you in the future and that is the reason that I'm not only doing uh these newsletters and um 
these newsletters and, you know, things like that. The reason it is also for making these videos and podcasts and really anything that I end up sharing with the world. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with that said, I, I think that's really, that's ultimately going to wrap it up for the, uh, for today's episode of the Jay Doherty podcast and I want to thank everyone for being here don't for, don't again don't forget to uh you know go ahead and take a look at our website j-doherty.com sign up for notifications you can request a shout out now also on our website you can do that that's never been available before uh and that is really awesome you can't really do that on most youtube channels uh and that might be limited time only so definitely go ahead and check out j-doherty.com slash shout out have a great day i appreciate you guys being here so thank you bye (laughs) 